Welcome aboard on Consider Everything. I'm your host, Brig Haynes, and let's go explore today to improve our mental health tomorrow. Welcome to the podcast, Consider Everything, guys. My name is Brig Haynes, and I am presenting you my brother, Matt Haynes. He is our special guest this week. He works in the military, in the National Guard, and he also is, uh, I believe you have your master's and bachelor's degree in economics. And I wanted to first ask you, what was it like having to see people go through depression or anxiety or even just maybe friends? I don't know if you've had friends before. But what did you do to kind of understand them a little better? Because I know you've said that you haven't really struggled with it yourself personally, but what was it like observing that? And what were some things that you did to to help them out and also help yourself to not get sucked into that? <laughs> I, I didn't know what was going on. I just yeah. was like, oh, mom, mom's being weird in this moment or hey, oh. Briggs being weird in this moment or um, friends, family, whatever. And with the things they do, I'm just like, that's just an anomaly. But I, I didn't see the underlying issues that's that's one thing with mental health is you can't see it and that's what makes it difficult especially for someone who is not in it and like you said if i can't see it feel it it's, it's hard for me to really just picture it and understand what's going on like if i see someone with a broken arm for example it's like oh that sucks their arm's broken um this is what they're doing to fix it story's over with but if someone says hey i have i have a mental issue for example i have chronic depression or anxiety for me, I'm just like, oh, you're just an anxious person. Well, when I was younger, like, yeah. oh, you're just an anxious person. You don't understand. Like, you're just going through a hard time. You'll get over it. But I didn't understand at the time that, hey, that there's actually underlying issues, maybe in the brain, maybe with the chemicals that are going on in the hormones, etc. I didn't understand all that. You you were pretty cool to me and nice, but sometimes you you were questioning what I was doing most of the time. Like, what, <laughs> what is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> you, you seemed very sporadic and very mm-hmm. uh whimsical and so the, some of the decisions you would make i'd just be like yeah brings a moron like yeah i came back that one day and and my mom was like all right don't get mad and we went down down the garage and you painted my bike you just my, my bike was a different color and it, it i mean i don't remember it looking awful but i was just like why is my bike spray painted? Matt, it needed to be fixed. I saw that and I was like, this thing is shit. I need to fix this. I was like, what is going on here? And I remember, I mean, this is the older brother, like the little demon in me, but I was like, all right, well, I don't actually care, but I can use this as leverage against Brigham. And so, and I had no so strategic I ability. to be all like, oh, this just ruined my life. I use this bike every day. <laughs> super dramatic and then i was able to get the ultimate punishment for you yeah but, and i was crying and you freaking shot me 15 times in the back <laughs> yeah of the i think gun. it was what was it like the final punishment was well we got- you marched me down the stairs with the airsoft like i was getting above <laughs> uh, going to like a what's it called when they all line up and they uh, like a firing squad a fire, yeah it's like i was getting like marched down to a firing squad what was you we- made me put my hands above my head <laughs> in the garage and you just unleashed hell on me i think what was it we got like two shots with with your shirt off was the rule no you had it was all of them were with my shirt off no yes it was oh man yeah i had like 15 (laughs) welts on my back yeah so that that was yeah but like it was decisions like that and i think we were the the reason we were allowed to do that is because you made a lot of whimsical decisions we weren't we weren't aware of like hey maybe brigham has adhd or whatever whatever Mm -hmm. was going on it was just he keeps making stupid decisions. We need to let him know that those lead to consequences. I mean, you were really young at the time. Yeah. Um, and so, and obviously, my high school, middle school understanding was just so like, sweet, I get to shoot my brother. Because <laughs> yeah, a lot of the decisions I made benefited other people in the long run, even though it destroyed me as well. So, for instance, there was one time where um, 
I, like they had this thing called bananas and bread growing up where our mom would punish us with bananas and bread because the idea was that she has to she has to legally feed us so she can't starve us <laughs> but she also doesn't have to give us the best food the best dinner and so if we didn't do our chores that day then we would get bananas and bread and yeah. that happened quite often with me because i didn't think about the future i just didn't want to do my chores i play video games anything i wanted to do i just did whatever i wanted and didn't really care what happened to, until it happened and what i found was that there was a little pantry downstairs where mom stored all of her food <laughs> and so i'd go down there i'd march down i'd and while, while they were eating dinner or after dinner was done i would grab like a bag of cheetos hide it in my shirt and then run to my room and hide it under my pillow <laughs> And what the, what Matt and Connor found this out, I think it was Matt first, but he found it out. And so he, he basically taxed me. He was like, I won't tell mom, but you have to give me some of those Cheetos or those yeah, Oreos. You can see where the, the little mini economist was born. I'm just all like, I can I can hold this as leverage against Brigham. You got to pay me a tax of your candies. Because half the time I was on bananas and bread too. Yeah. So what would happen is I was like, all right, Brigham is taking the risk of going to the pantry and smuggling all the food. Well, I'll just have him pay. He has to pay me a tax to to stay quiet and I have zero risk involved whereas he's taking it all and I thought it was an awesome deal and then I think eventually you got caught and yeah. I don't remember you ratting me out actually I think you, you stayed true no because I know you'd beat me up yeah. you were me. <laughs> we, we know what happened with that airsoft gun I'm not doing anything else plata o plomo plata o plomo mi amigo <laughs> narcos um, but to kind of go back to that question of you know what was it like growing up with people that were in or were struggling with mental illness do you think that some of the issues were from our divorce with dad, you know, because I know mom got pretty messed up when the divorce happened. It was pretty brutal on her because dad basically left her with nothing. She was left with three idiots. Yeah, well, and it yeah. was such a, and, and I mean, now I tried to kind of empathize with what mom went through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was such a, a shift, not only in the financial situation. I mean, she moved. We, we literally instantly moved down to a different state because of that. Um, all and, and, and in the religion, it's it's very like perceptions, everything, right? Being LDS, it was, oh, you have to, everything's rosy, rosy and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Well, to have that instantly shift and go flip flop, yeah, it put mom through a lot. That probably happens with a lot of people where they, you know, honestly, our situation, we can say it was traumatic or whatever, but to be honest, I would say, I, I agree with you on this. And I would not say that, at least for us kids, it wasn't like crazy traumatic compared to some other situations. Like, well, but but uh, let me let me stop you there. Cause yeah. I've done the same thing, and I would just dismiss what we went through all the time. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, like there's kids out there who got no parents on the streets, or there's there's people in Syria right now that it's been war for ten years, and they just had major earthquakes, and so I'm always like, oh well, our scenario wasn't valid. Mm-hmm. But what you don't realize is, and especially at the time when you were younger. In our little world, it was everything. It was huge. And so I don't want it to for us to dismiss like and, and I, I think I've done that for all my life is just being like, Oh, what we went through wasn't hard. And if you were to compare it to I mean people in Ukraine right now, like, yeah, we had it way better. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through something like that, you only have what information's been available and up to that point we had perfect lives, right? Yeah. And so having such a traumatic shift, it still has a big effect on on your mental health. I agree with that. You know, cause if you look at it from, from what you're saying, if you're somebody who, who just dismisses everything. And oftentimes I, I kind of did this too. Cause mom would take us to counselors. I don't know if she did this with you, but she did this with me where she'd take us to counselors. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was kind of hard because as a man, this may sound stupid, but as a man and as a kid, you know, as a boy who wants to be a man, 
it sometimes feels like it's a little bit of a, a wussy move to go into a counselor and have to talk about your feelings and oh and there it, was I, I guess i won't say his name but uh, there was one that she brought me to and i hated this guy he didn't really do anything wrong i just went in with the attitude of like it's you versus me i'm here because my mom's forcing me to <laughs> if i make you hate me i don't have to go to this anymore so it was just it's kind of like when we first met mike our stepdad it <laughs> yeah. was like if i make this guy's life awful and then he'll go away so i did the same thing with the counselor i was just like i didn't know what counseling was mom mm-hmm. just said hey we're going through a lot. I just want you to be able to talk your things out and go see a counselor. And I was like, what's a counselor? And she's like, well, it's someone there to kind of like help you work through your feelings. And I was like, I already hate this guy. Yeah. And, and I know that, you, you know, you've lived with, uh, you got recently got married to Tyler, your, your wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, she, I brought her on the podcast. So she, I hope she's okay with me saying that she struggled with some, some anxiety and depression issues. And, and she's really learned how to, to work on it, which I think is amazing because her, her story, I'm not going to go into detail and we don't have to, but she's gone through some pretty rough stuff as well. Like, yeah, yeah she, she has. Um, and I, I'm learning a lot from just being around her and working with her and she is so smart. Oh my gosh. Like she researches something to the point where I'm like, stop researching. You don't need to know the extra paragraph you're about to read. <laughs> like you're already an expert, yeah. but she, she's so smart. And so I'm learning a lot about mental health issues from her. And the, the difference from when I first met her to now is pretty incredible. She's working on it. She's, she, I mean, it's not perfect. And it's, it's something that I don't know if it'll ever go away. Like it's a, it's I'm for lack of better terms, like a gene or something you're predisposed to, but she's learning how to handle it really well. And growing up with, you know, living with Tyler specifically, what have you learned from her as you've, have you, you've been married to her about mental illness? Well, um, and what you just said, I want to just mention the thought that came to my head that might be pertinent or useful. Okay. Um, So in that, in that thinking fast and slow, they talk about the systems, uh, the brain systems, there's system one and then there's system two. System one is the automatic system. It's kind of the primal, um, like instinctual, whereas system two is the logical, you're digesting information, you're processing. And what tends to happen is people maybe who are more anxious or deal with other issues, they live in system two. They're overanalyzing. They're always stressing um, overthinking, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And they, they probably could rely a little more on their system one of like, all right, this is my gut, move with it, or this is good enough, move on. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that thought up. What was your question? So uh, before I go into that question, actually, mm-hmm. so, you know, growing up, I wonder if, you know, I I didn't, I was thinking a lot, but it was all nonsense. So I made really stupid decisions. People were like, what the heck is this <laughs> guy doing? You know, what is what is going on in his head? And I don't know if it was because I, you know, I'd I don't know exactly what was happening in my brain, to be honest. I just know that my brain was constantly going. Everything, like if I heard a sound, it was I was like focused on it. If I saw, <laughs> if if I saw something that I really was that caught my eye, I would immediately go to that, no matter what. Yeah. And you know, somebody who who was thinking a lot at first it didn't really seem like it benefits me because I got in trouble in school a lot. I didn't pay attention and my parent, I always got in trouble. <laughs> but what I found is that the more that I've learned how to focus. And to just calm down a little bit and not use my system too, as you're saying as much, and just trust to to think through things a little bit more instead of just acting and, and overthinking and just being impulsive. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think there's a balance between the two systems because yeah. if you only live in system one, the instinctual primal, then you're going to just do what you want whenever you want and it's going to lead to bad scenarios. So you need to analyze, but I think it's it's important for to try and strike a decent balance between the two. Yeah. So my, my question for you was, what did you learn as you've been living with Tyler. Okay. What, yeah. what have you learned from her? Because honestly, yeah. I, I've learned a lot. Um, 
because uh, because I, I didn't as i mentioned earlier I, I didn't grow up with with these these issues so i it, the world was is how i what i saw was what i assumed everyone else was dealing with and so being with tyler is really welcoming to like all right well maybe not everyone thinks this way and etc and so i've being with tyler i really had to learn to empathize and try to understand that just because if someone says that they have depression before I'd probably assume something like, "Oh, well, they're just sad more often than not, or they're just not—they're not mentally strong, right?" Yeah. Which is totally incorrect. That'd be like me saying, "All right, well, someone's um, missing a leg. Well, they're not—they're not strong, yeah. right?" Yeah, they're, they're, it's going to hinder some of the stuff they can do, but they can push through it. They can be creative. They can come um, and approach a problem in a different way that might even be more efficient. So I've learned that mental health health isn't just a, a crutch. Um, sometimes I, I would assume that people who are saying, Hey, I, I have depression or I have anxiety. I'm just like, you're, you're just using that to, to elicit pity, to, to ask for a free pass. Mm-hmm. But what I found, and especially with Tyler is, is one it, mental health is definitely real. It's not just someone saying I'm sad. Right. But another thing that I've noticed is those who, who tend to do the best are the ones who don't let mental health their the mental health issues define them. They accept that, hey, you know what? I mean, for an analogy, I'm missing a leg, but I'm gonna work with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna find ways to still live life, be happy, and enjoy it. And that's what Tyler's really working on. Is I'm I I have I'm predisposed, and I have I have these different mental health issues, but I'm gonna find ways to improve myself, to work around them, and to deal with them, not ignore them. I'm not going to pretend they're not there, but I'm also not going to let them control my life. I'm not going to introduce myself as, oh, hi, I'm Matt Haynes. I'm a depressed person, right? It's, hi, I'm Matt Haynes. I do this. I do that, et cetera. Yeah, there was a, so my recent Famous Perspective episode, I did one on a guy named Zion Clark. I don't know. I was going to bring him up. I couldn't remember his name. So so I was like, I'm not going to. So Zion Clark, he grew up with absolutely no legs. So his, his lower half didn't develop after birth. And anybody in that situation probably would have just, to be honest, this sounds bad, but I probably would just jump off a cliff. I'm like, what the point is? What is the point of this? You know, <laughs> he had it rough. He had it really rough. He grew up in a in an orphanage, or not orphanage, but he grew up in the was in, in the foster system? foster system, yeah. and it was for almost 17 years of his life. He was getting tossed around from foster care to foster care, and seven families rejected bringing him into their home. So he was rejected over and over and over. Finally, his mother, um, his his adopted mother, but he calls her mother, her mom. She finally, t- you know, she was the one willing to bring him in. It wasn't until he was 17 that he was able to get adopted. But during that time, he was wrestling and he loved, he found out what he loves to do. And what's crazy is he was beating people that had legs in wrestling. (laughs) He got to college. College was a little more rough for him just because, you know, that's a big jump from, you know, from high school athletes to college athletes. College athletes are, it's, it's the best of the high school. So it gets harder and harder every time you move up. Mm -hmm. And so in in college, it was a little rougher for him, but nevertheless, he still continued and he's one of the fastest bikers with, with no legs. So he has to use the, the wheelchair type bike, but he's one, he got up to 22 miles an hour biking yeah Yeah. talk about not letting your not letting um we'll say mental health issues or physical issues hold you back or define you that that he he is a perfect display of moving or dealing with what you have and then making the best out of it yeah even our our grandma uh, grandma schmidt she i never really understood this phrase because i was young and i was just like whatever this is stupid but um now i'm looking at it, she's always said like she had her thick german accent she's like makes the best you know like you make, make the, the best, best yeah. you makes the best you know and 
it's a simple phrase, but it's one of the best phrases I've learned from is no matter what situation you're in, you got to have enough respect for yourself where you make the best of what you have. Right. And not, 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 uh, what you call it, not, yeah, don't 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 just, take for granted what you have right now. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not super religious, but a lot of parables in the Bible are pretty awesome. They have a good message. So the the parable about the the talents, where you got the, I think it was Jesus gave three three dudes certain amounts of money, or someone gave someone amounts of money. And the first guy got one talent, the second guy I think got two, and then the third guy got five. Those numbers might be off. It's been a while. Yeah, but the idea was is that the the guy who got five went and doubled it. The guy who got two went and doubled it. He worked and he he invested. He created what he had with his talents. And talents was also a form of money, but I think it's also kind of a interesting play because talents could also be talents I was given in life, right? But the person who got the one talent went and buried it. And when the the master came back, uh, the the first guy was like, "Hey, like it's it's in a ditch, and I buried it, and it's still the same. I haven't improved it." But then the other two guys said, "Hey, I've doubled what you gave me." And so I think that's a great parable for, hey, I was given, I, I, I'm I'm 4'3", I'm 900 pounds. Right? I don't I have a vertical this. worth shit. Yeah, I, I can't do, I'm, I was given these things, but I'm going to go work with it and I'm going to go improve my talents with what I have. Yeah, and I like what you're saying there because when I was younger, I took for granted a lot of things that I had. And I think most of us do. We don't really understand. We're still trying to understand our perspective of the world, but... Oftentimes, what will happen? I don't know if this is in your book that you that you've been that you read, um, but there is this effect where somebody who anybody who accomplishes anything, right? There's this there's there's always a pattern. So the beginning there's a struggle pattern. Okay, so the beginning people are struggling in order to get to where their their accomplishment is. Once they accomplish something, then it kind of fades away. And how I'm relating this to your story about the talents is that oftentimes. Uh, the the hardest issue is that struggle part of the of the accomplishment where it takes a lot of work to be able to see that accomplishment. So somebody who gets one talent, they're like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? But the truth is, is you're going to have to go through a little bit of struggle no matter what in order to get to where you want to go. Say you want to be a, a guitar player, right? There's gonna there, in your mind you may think it's gonna be easy, but there's that struggle part where you don't know how to you know stroke the strings right, you don't know how to pick the guitar, and oftentimes that's what stops people from even starting. So it's a little bit easier when you have more talents to be like, okay, I can do something with this. But no matter what, you always have something to. Yeah, well, you could. I mean, sticking with, I mean, it's not music, but basketball, for example, I mean, you could be like, oh, well, Michael Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, all those guys, well, they're, they're super tall, they're super athletic, and they, they got their five talents, and I got my one talent. But there are a lot of fantastic, amazing players who were given two talents, who were given one talent, and they went out, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked, and someone who was given more talents in the beginning may not have worked as much. And so, yeah, they started off with a better foot, but they 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 coasted. Whereas the person who had like, mental illnesses or they had physical disabilities, they didn't let them define them and they worked and they worked and they multiplied their talents to the point where they're still better than the person who was given more in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I really like that idea of, of being able to look at something and be like, okay, this is what I have. But that's what I think a, a huge problem with social media nowadays is, is you're comparing yourself to others so much. Yeah. And the issue with that is it's kind of like you having your little talents, right? And then you have everybody else flashing basically their nuts at you. Be like, hey, look at me kind of thing. <laughs> well, you, you know, you basically, yeah. well, I mean, we're going to live in this analogy, it sounds like, for the next little bit. But they got their giant baggie of talents and you're looking at your talent that's like rusted and <laughs> broken yeah. in half. And you're like, here's my talent. This person's like bling bling. Yeah. But you're going to be ticked. And so living in 
TikTok or whatever it is you guys use nowadays. Like yeah. you're going to live in there. You're going to see the best of the best. And you're like, well, yeah, my, my penny's rotting. So now you're going to focus on how to make that penny sh- or that talent shiny. When it doesn't matter, go use that talent and yeah. go get more talents. And then by the end, people are going to find out like, whoa, he's not in debt with those talents. Those aren't fake talents or whoa, yeah. he did this. He's just, he's using, or she is working with what they have and they're making it better. And so I think when we live where we currently are, we, we tend to skip the fact that there was a lot of in between the end result and where you are now. And so you might be like, well, hey, this person is now an NBA superstar or this person is whatever. Well, you don't realize that they went through work that you can do. And yeah, there's a lot of luck involved and et cetera. We can talk about that. But you can always work to improve your talents. Yeah. Well, and going off of what you're saying, we'll, we'll just go a little bit longer with this because okay. I think it has some some good meat to it. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, with, with Joe Rogan, like especially with the technology that we have and with movies that are super intense and exciting, <laughs> people get a false perspective of what actually is real life. So if you see a movie where somebody struggles and then gains something in an hour and a half and does something really cool in an hour and a half, you don't see a movie's a movie. You don't see their full life, right? <laughs> yeah. And and when people watch movies all the time, they see all these crazy cool stories of people accomplishing things. When I was a kid, maybe this is because I had a, a weird mind and I just didn't see things in a in a correct perspective, but I thought, oh well that looks easy. I can just do that. Right. Like that. I, I want to do that. And that's just, but then once you take one, even one step toward, you're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, that's, uh, and I, I occasionally listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast and they, they have the issue constantly of people calling and asking, like, I want to do, get into real estate. And they're always watching, according to the, the, the speakers, they're watching TikTok videos on how do you get rich as a real estate agent. And there's stuff, there's stuff with all types of different investments. Right. But no one realizes that, oh, well, if I, they think to themselves, oh, if I go buy a, a, a rental property, I'm going to live on one half, it's a duplex, and then I'll rent out the other, and it's going to pay my mortgage, and it's going to be sunshine. You don't realize the work it takes to not only find a a decent value of a duplex, then you got to live next to this person that if their dishwasher breaks, you're on the hook. They're going to knock on your door at minute. They don't talk about the things that make it difficult, the work, and the fact that when you take out a loan, your leverage or the risk that you've taken on seems like nothing, but it it, it like quintuples <laughs> even more the risk of defaulting, but everyone wants that instant. All right, this is how I'm going to get rich. This is how I'm going to pay my mortgage. And people with all kinds of different tasks are just living in the the now. A movie's an hour and a half, and you can see a gladiator go from Roman general to he's conquered and he's done this amazing things, right? And it's in an hour and a half. Yeah, that's that is not real life. There is work. There is a ton going on between the beginning and the end. There's a lot it takes to grow those talents. Well, when people's attention span is almost absolute zero right now. I, I, I blame they're, TikTok for that. Yeah, and TikTok, you know, there's YouTube Reels that are five seconds long. Did you know that? No. They have something called YouTube Reel or YouTube Shorts, I believe they're called, but they're they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller every single year. And I'll, I'll see kids like on the bus and I'll, or wherever and they'll watch a video and then it will switch instantly and, and it happens over and over and over again and I just, I wonder, I'm like, what did they just watch? And I wonder if they could even 10 minutes from now tell me what they watched. Absolutely know. not. Because yeah. the p- period of time, I, I'm in the same boat here, and I was actually one of those kids for a while where I would scroll through, scroll through, and I can tell you that 
during that time when I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, this is specifically when I was working at Vasa because I had nothing else to do. So because you're, <laughs> you're at the front desk, yeah, I'm yeah. at the front desk, and people are like, "Who, who is this kid? He just, you know, welcome to Vasa. Welcome go, to Vasa. Go get swole. <laughs> Here's you. some protein. Get yeah. out of here." <laughs> um, but you know, during that time, I was just scrolling because I was bored, and and to be honest, some of the people at the front didn't really want to talk, so I felt awkward. And the only way, which a lot of people do feel awkward, and now, what's their number one go-to whenever they feel awkward nowadays? I can tell. And this this might be totally wrong, but this is how where I'm currently at in my in my state. If if I'm talking to someone or I see someone talking, and after a few moments they pull out their phone, I instantly know that this is someone that is not. This isn't maybe correct. They're not mentally strong, or they're they're nervous, they're anxious, and they don't know how to handle themselves, and so they turn to their crutch immediately. Yeah. So if I'm doing a business negotiation or I'm listening to a discussion on some topic, and a person uses that crutch instantly, meaning their phone or whatever whatever social platform they're on, I, I'm like, this person may or may not be worth listening to. Yeah, and it's a struggle that a lot of teens have to deal with nowadays. And I, I, I after me kind of looking at it and be like, oh, okay, this is not okay what I'm doing, and especially how it was affecting my mental health specifically, because when I was doing that, I just... I didn't feel good at all. It was awful because what was happening is during that time, I was already kind of going through some stuff, right? And when you're watching videos of all these cool people doing cool stuff and, that, and there's there's one every five seconds, right? And you just see all these people accomplishing things and doing all these cool videos. And I'm like, well, what am I doing with my life? But then at the same time though, it's kind of like, alcohol a little bit i'm not going to compare it specifically because i don't i'm not i don't know what it's like to be an alcoholic or anything but i do know it's 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 a struggle and i've talked to people who have had that problem and the one issue with any kind of addiction or alcohol whatever it is is they want to get out but the but their body thinks that they need it and so the reason why you know people oftentimes have a hard time quitting anything that they have an addiction with is because they have a relationship where it's a need with it, where no matter what you do, your body needs that to feel like it's... Well, it's yeah. a dependency. So mm-hmm. someone pulls out their phone, I know that person, maybe they just pulled out their phone just now, but they've created that dependency. They've When they're on their own or when they're with other people, they're constantly using it. And so, yeah, it becomes a dependency is probably the best word for it. And I also think it messes up people's perspective of just regular life too, you know? Because if you, if you think about it with... And, you know, watching movies or watching really short YouTube videos, all you see is, we already kind of talked about this, but we, we are, all you see are the, the good moments of life. And, but then when you put down the phone and it's not like that, then your, your, your reality is presumed to be the, the type that's in the phone. So when you say you're on with a family, right, you're at a family dinner and, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty comfortable when you're scrolling on your phone because everybody's on their phone. But once you put your phone down, how do you feel? It's awkward for most people. Yeah. And it's, I, I felt that before because it's a little bit hard too because you'll see other people that are on their phones and you, and you want to put your phone down. But when you do, you're like, well, this is weird. I don't know what well, to do here. I tend to, in social settings, I tend to kind of gravitate towards those who aren't using their phones. Mm. And yeah, it, to me, it's just a signal. It, it's, you know how you, when you walk into an interview, you have like a split second to, as a first impression. For me, someone who's not dependent on their phones means, hey, they might be mentally comfortable with where they are they might be comfortable exploring what other people think and and not just relying on the useless yeah that was one thing i wish i would have learned two years ago is it's okay to feel uncomfortable and i'm seeing this pattern of of phones being a crutch for a lot of people to not feel the the emotions that are almost 
on a daily basis where it's awkward, it's weird, it feels a little bit like you don't know what you're doing. Whereas when you're on your phone, all that goes away. Everything goes away. Well, and, and I'm not, I guess I've been talking like I'm perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't do the whole scroll social media thing, but if I don't have my phone on me, it's like panic. <laughs> yes, it's it's yeah. like, oh no. I'm not going to be able to reach people in an emergency or, oh no, someone's going to be able to log in and get into my bank accounts or like it. I, I still have that because of crutch. Mm-hmm. I need constant communication. I need security. And so it's, I mean, it's on a different, I guess it's in a different approach, but either way, I'm still kind of falling in that realm too. We become so dependent on this little computer in our pockets. And it, it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel comfortable. Well, with my interview with Dr. Jeff Anderson, our uncle, he said that that's how our world is unfortunately gravitating. We have to start to mold our lives and create a dependency around technology because that's just how our world works now. If you you could have done that 10 years or maybe 30, 40 years ago, you'd be fine, right? If you didn't yeah. want to use technology, you're, that's okay. But if you want to be able to do the things you want to do, most of the time you're going to need a technology. You need technology nowadays. So say, for instance, you're creating a business. You know, 40 years ago, most people read the newspaper, so you could you could get by with just doing regular type of marketing. But if you wanted to actually grow this business and you just did it the old-fashioned way, and you wanted to get big, that it's very unlikely that it's going to get big. It's a it's a first thing that came to mind is it's a game. Um, so in economics, there's there's economic game theory, and it's it's that was actually my worst grade in my master's program. It was my favorite class, and it was my worst grade. That was a tough course, but. Game theory, essentially, any time humans are interacting, it's a game. Whether it, I mean, it depends on the objectives and the type, whatever. But with like credit cards, for example, it's a game that's been set up that's it's perfect for the credit card companies because, all right, if I'm, if I'm someone who doesn't want to take out a credit card, I'm going to be missing out on these points, right? These points, is, it's free money, for example, right? Well, so, so I, as an individual, I'm going to go choose to swipe my credit card because I want those points. And even though I, like, we pay off the credit card at the end of the month, I still have a credit card because I need to build credit and I need to do et cetera. Well, the way the game's been set up is those who don't are going to fall behind because they're not getting those rewards. And the companies have to raise their prices because they got to pay, pay these credit card companies. And so what happens is it's just this game that no one can escape because of how the incentives are set up. And the same thing it sounds like is going on with uh, what we were just talking about where we have our phone, those who don't have a phone will fall behind and they're going to fall behind way faster. And so those who benefit are them, those who have the technology, those who create the um, the software and et cetera. And it's hard to escape. And if you're one of the ones who are like, hey, I'm going to take a moral stand, you're going to get obliterated. It's just how the game is set up. And with speaking of technology and having to use it in order to, th- to be able to thrive and be okay in the world, It'd be like me moving down to Honduras and expecting everybody to just know English and I don't have to change my language at all. That would be really rough because down in Honduras when I was down there, there were very few people that knew English. And so I kind of had to mold myself to their language in order to to be able to, yeah, to get around. That's how the game was set up. Going back to mental illness specifically, you know, even speaking with Dr. Jeff Anderson as well, he was saying that one of the biggest issues that we're seeing, and, and he, he, he just said it flat out, he's like, technology is the biggest cause of what's going on with the rise of mental illness with the rise of that it now does that mean that technology is bad in itself no it just means that kids haven't been taught how to manage 
and understand the dangers behind it. Because well, I, I wouldn't just limit that to kids. I would limit that to well, just the general population. Yeah, general population. Yeah, because yeah, and I know that he was saying specifically young females too. Young females really have a struggle, especially with with suicide rate. But they are often more susceptible to developing a mental illness when they are high users of technology. And, wow. and specifically ones that watch TikTok all the time, that watch, uh, you know, other people living their lives all the time. Well, I mean, I, I don't know this topic, but the first thing that comes to mind is, is these these young girls are seeing the perfect women. Mm-hmm. The, these, I mean, when I think of a TikTok video or what I've seen, it's usually not an ugly person that's talking about whatever it is they're talking about. It's usually yeah. not someone who isn't dressed nice. It's usually not someone who's not in a really nice location or whatever. It's usually the best of the best. And so maybe... I. I don't know, but maybe these young adolescent women are are comparing themselves to perfection and they just feel like they'll never add up. Yeah, and I found myself actually doing that as well. Growing up with you and Connor, and I was a little bit overweight and I, I it was a little struggle for me because I just never felt like I was good looking. I never felt like I was somebody who people wanted to be around, which obviously was a warped warped idea in itself, but I didn't understand that growing up. And so oftentimes I would cut my hair. I, I was doing everything I could to change myself change the things that didn't really matter but then not change the things that i could i could control myself yeah i I feel like that's a journey that most people go through maybe just at different extremes i remember when i was growing up i i wanted to um look really good and there was a guy that moved into my elementary school i was this was pretty young and he moved in and and probably at the time i didn't realize it but you know when a new person moves in that they're kind of like the new hot shiny item and we moved a lot so i experienced some of that now yeah but I remember this one guy moved in and the girls were just all over him. And one girl in particular, this was fourth grade, said, oh, he has a nice jawline. And I was like, I don't know what that means. But I looked at him and I remember like studying him like he was like a rat lab or a lab rat. (laughs) And I was like, his jaw seems to be a little more pointy than mine. So I remember the rest of the day I was walking around trying to like stick my jaw out, trying to be all like, well, I have a nice jawline. (laughs) Right. And so, I mean, I think it's natural to compare yourself and try to how to reach this but there there are levels where especially if you're drowning yourself in tiktok videos and drowning yourself and everyone's perfect everyone's shiny at that point it'd get exhausting if i had to walk around with my jaw sticking out the whole time there's no way it's just it's too much time trying to be like other people and and like we're going back to our our, my grandma or our grandma i mean you make the best of what you have you know oftentimes you just got to admit that there are better looking people than you that they're understanding that you can't you can't always be the best with everything you got your bag of talents yeah that guy has a nice jawline unfortunately (laughs) our looks we definitely get we didn't get a lot of talents with that one but uh i mean we we, i would say we're the guy who got the two talents not the five yeah one we're working with what we got we'll just say i got i was i was decent enough to get married so. <laughs> that was are you sure that wasn't just luck though based on your game theory I, I think that maybe tyler had a warped perception and she thinks she's uglier than she is so i got lucky with that oh uh, yeah. nice you played the game well Mark. yeah i just gotta <laughs> no, learn how to play that now i don't know <laughs> but so moving on to a different topic here yeah. uh you know we're getting close to the end here but i wanted to ask you so even though you haven't experienced mental illness, you've you've had to go through a lot of struggles. You know, I know for one of them that really hits you hard that I talked to you about is when you were going to a school for the military, and it turned out that you thought you were going to make it, but you didn't, and that was one of your most depressed states of life in your whole lifetime. What was that like? I think the reason why that one was so traumatic for me was up to that point, I've been pretty successful um, navigating my way through college, getting to pay for making money in college. Um, et cetera, and then going military and I had a lot of successful like back-to-back wins and then 
and, and with the situation we had with dad too it was constantly like hey like you got to be the best you got to do this but it was also he made us he always complimented us that's what made him a kind of good manipulator i guess is he was yeah. just like you're so amazing you're doing this and so up to that point i kind of had this bloated ego and so when i came back from that military school and i guess got my ass handed to me right it, it, it was it was kind of like reality hit and everything came crashing down and i just felt lost i was yeah. like oh man like i am not perfect oh man i am not this born to be perfection like i didn't i don't have 40 or i don't have 40 talents i have my whatever bag i got right and so it just came crashing and and for me it, that was where i really had to sit down with myself and try to figure out like well who am i what am i doing what matters and it was quite frankly it was a really slow embarrassingly slow process to kind of get out of that swamp it was that was a hard that was a hard situation with with dad because he was super good at making us feel like we had more talents than we did and that also hit me pretty hard once i got so once i went out on my mission and came back and i started to realize that everything he told me i was like oh you're super funny you're super handsome you're shoot all this <laughs> like okay maybe i have some of that okay maybe i'm i'm kind of funny maybe i'm kind of handsome but that's when i started to just realize that reality is reality right i once i started realizing that i'm not this this big old hercules walking around you know and i'm yeah. kind of just an average joe it was almost a relief to me because I didn't have this expectation hanging over my head all the time. Be like, Oh, you're, you're not quite up there yet. You're not quite there, you know? And, yeah. and anytime, especially with baseball, this was a big one for me is dad really, since I was a lefty and I was a bigger kid, he's like, Oh, you're going to be like the next Babe Ruth. You're going to be the <laughs> next Albert Pujols. He yeah. specifically loved Albert Pujols. And I was, I had this this image in my head that I was going to be the next Albert Pujols because he kept shoving that in my head over and over again. And as I was getting older and I wasn't putting in the work, I just thought that I didn't have to do anything because I was the next Albert Pujols. You know, I was just like, oh, well, I have all this talent. Why do I need to do anything? Mm -hmm. And then once I got into high school baseball, I started to I was not good. You know, I, I was good at hitting the ball, but I was always hitting it way too early, always hitting foul balls. And I never took the time to actually get good at baseball I, I i would say i had some natural talent to it but i didn't have everything that he told me i had and so it ended up just i ended up quitting sophomore year because i i i didn't i wasn't where i thought i should be you know yeah i think that there's a freedom or a liberation in accepting the reality of what you've been given so yes i've accepted that i have these mental illnesses or i've said i have these physical ones or i've accepted basically what you've been given and if it's distorted kind of the way it was for us growing up where hey you're way better than you are or and and the opposite uh, you beat someone so little that you make them feel like they have no talents when they actually do i think there's a freedom accepting this is who i am this is what i've got i'm going to do the best with what i have and this is where i'm going to take it i think there's a freedom in that it takes way more work in the end to not live in reality than it does just to accept the fact of what it is. Yeah, and fast forward three years. So let's say today I, I decide to start lying and I decide to start distorting my image. Three years from now, I'm going to be the in the exact same spot and all my energy went to pretending. Whereas three years from now, if I were to take that and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be real. Life sucks right now or I, what I did was a mistake. Three years from now, I promise you I'd be way farther off than if I were to just, just sit here and lie and pretend that to be something I'm not. Well, not only that, but then people start getting confused with you too because you've put up this image. You've decided that this is what I want people to 
look at me as. Yeah. And then you're putting way more pressure on yourself to have to live up it's this a life. It's, it's a waste. It's a waste of time. It's totally inefficient. And and I don't want to get in too much detail, but with our dad, he did this exact same thing where he, he built himself up to be this amazing investor that could turn <laughs> your money from, from $2 into $2 million in 10 years. And... <laughs> For a limited time only. For a limited yeah. time only. You got to get it now because it's not going to be coming out soon. And I've only got so many slots in my books. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh. Well, and not only that, he did that with everything that he said he was passionate about, right? There was one point in the time he told me that he was going to be the next, uh, he was going to create some kind of radio show where... Well, he, he tried to do newspapers. He tried to do like books and all that. Like he was going to be the newest author, the newest kid. Like, and it was just, it was, he was constantly holding up pretenses. And I, I feel bad for him now because I did that growing up. I, I think I might've learned it from him. I'm not quite sure where I learned that from, but I, I lied a lot growing up. I constantly lied and it, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't manipulative like dad. I just lied because it became a habit. It's I a, think you're worried about what people thought about you. I was worried about, and that's, I think that's what developed in me is, is I was worried that, you know, cause growing up with two older brothers that were good looking guys that, you know, were people liked you guys a lot. And with me, I never felt like I was going to get there because I was overweight. I didn't think I was that good looking. And so I was like, well, what do I got to do to, to fix this? And, and unfortunately lying was the only route that I saw. And I think, I mean, to be fair, I, I, you might be overstating what I had. It was probably because I was your older brother. You looked yeah. up to me, but it was like, if you were to say that to me in those moments, I'd be like, you're looking up to like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. But I think that's happening is everyone's looking up to these other people and you just feel like you can't add up. So it's easier to lie. It's either to take the short route. And yeah. So it just... Well, it's easier to not have to build your own character than to just copy what other people are doing. So for instance, if you're wanting to be, uh, sometimes you have to copy a little bit, but one, one reality I've had to learn is you cannot replicate somebody else's life in your own life. This is kind of what I've noticed is people tend to really gravitate towards those who have accepted what they have. They, they feel like they're not lying. They're not being lied to. There's no pretense. And people tend to gravitate towards them as leaders. I think some of the best leaders are those who have accepted who they are and then run with it and worked with what they could. Yeah, well, and it's good to learn from others, right? It's, it's not bad to idolize sometimes, right? You know, because if you're if you're passionate about something, you want to, going back to basketball, if you want to listen to guys like Kobe, like LeBron, you want to listen to those guys, mm. but also realize that your journey is not going to be you're, like You're theirs. not them. You didn't start yeah. off the same spot. You didn't start ahead or, or sorry, you could be ahead of them where you started. You could be behind. And I would take and learn from them. But yeah, you're not the same person. One one thing that one word of advice that you gave me when I first got here and I was struggling pretty bad. This is before you went off to do a military training in Texas, is you said, get to know yourself more. It wasn't exactly this way, but this is what I learned from it is, instead of focusing so much on others, just get to know yourself a little bit, right? Yeah. I know you had to do this at one point in time in your life where you had to just start getting to know yourself, really understand who you are. And the unfortunate matter of it is it takes a lot of work. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's grueling. It's, you're, it, it just feels, it's, it's kind of a hard process because there's a lot of what ifs going in your mind. Like, is that really what I want? Is this not what I want? But the, the, the relieving part of it is that you finally realize that you you are unique, that there is something different about you, and you're not somebody who has to keep putting up different uh, presentation, putting up a presentation of yourself that isn't really you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that the moment for me that was really tough is so here in Utah, everyone is Mormon when we moved here, mm -hmm. and 
when I went to college, that was the same year where the, the LDS church said, hey, anyone who's 18 can now go on a mission. So as soon as I graduated high school, all literally all of my friends were on a mission. It was, it was just me and like one other dude on campus. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time there at night. Just I remember there's a balcony. I would just remove the screen from my window and I'd climb out on the balcony and let my feet dangle. I would be out there all night. And sometimes I'd play the guitar. It's kind of like a dramatic movie scene almost. But I would just be out there hours and hours and just think and try to figure out i'm alone what am i doing i have no money i don't know what i'm going i don't know where i'm going and it was in those moments where i'm like this is what i got this is where i think i can go i'm just gonna run with it and when i was you know when i moved here and you told me that piece of advice you also mentioned i forgot i failed to mention this beforehand but you also mentioned that stop focusing on other people so much people do not care nobody cares that's yeah i was actually gonna bring that up so tyler and i finally took a little mini vacation we just took a one night airbnb we just need to get away and we were sitting in the hot tub and it was it was in a provo utah valley and it was looking over the whole valley it was really cool and there were so many people at night on the freeway and i remember just sitting there staring at it, i'm like I don't know any of those people on there. Some of them might be doing great things. Some might be going through depression, whatever. And then I realized, like, I don't care. I don't know them. And then they don't know I'm here, and they don't care. We, we, we think the world is all about us when, quite frankly, we give everyone way too much credit. And we, we, we care so much for what they think, and it doesn't matter as much as we think. Well, and then when you start thinking that – when you start looking at other people all the time, you also get the perception that other people are looking at you all the time. Yeah. And so you're watching your every step. It is stressful. It is so stressful having to watch your every move, having to be this – You know, it's, it's almost like lying to them a little bit. I, I, I dare you to go to a gym like Voss or whatever and wear crappy clothes and let your hair just be gross, no makeup, whatever it is. And that's what I, I've been doing for years now. And it's the most liberating thing because I'll see like at 5 a.m. in the morning these these chicks that are just all made up wearing these super nice outfits. I'm like, you must have woken up at 3.30 to look good. And for what? You're already married. You look fantastic. Good for you. Why do you care? Yeah. And it, so I, I, dare, I dare you, anyone else, just to start finding ways – and to eliminate areas where you've been pulling up pretenses, where you've been trying to look good, where you don't need to. Obviously, you want to dress nice. You want to do what you can to be presentable. But you you, <laughs> you can eliminate a lot of waste. If you didn't have social media, if all you had was yourself, what what? so what I've had to learn in my life is what makes me happy when I'm not getting likes on Instagram? Yeah, oh yeah. And that's a that's one of the biggest ways I've learned to put my mo- most energy into those things where I don't have to have other people's attention to like to do it, right? Because oftentimes when somebody's watching you, you feel more motivated to do a certain certain thing, right? Mm-hmm. So say for instance, if you have a coach constantly on your butt about practicing basketball you're probably going to practice right or if you have a lot of pressure where people assume that you're really good at this you're gonna you're gonna it's easy to to be able to do things and to be able to try to accomplish something when people are constantly watching you but when you're not being watched it's pretty hard to who are you when you're alone yeah who are, that's one of the biggest lessons i've learned is who are you when you are alone and what you love to do when you're alone that's what you should focus on 
I know that you you spend a lot of time alone. We're getting close to the end here, but I know you spent a lot of time alone, especially since all your friends were leaving to go on LDS missions because they changed the age from was it nineteen to eighteen? Something like that. I don't yeah, know. from nineteen to eighteen, and so they were they were it, able. It, it was the newest hot craze. It was like the oh well, now now we all get to go. We all get to go be men in different countries. Yeah, and, and so it was. They got all of them. Well, <laughs> they all went. they all. It was just like a, a war draft where everybody's just gone. Yeah, and it was like, like the what? sexy war draft. Yeah, right? the sexy war draft where Matt's like, well, uh, I didn't get drafted i don't want to get drafted. I was like i don't want to go <laughs> yeah and and during that time though what was it what did you what pushed you to keep going even when you're alone because being alone can be hard especially being lonely even somebody who who hasn't struggled with mental illness what does it still suck sometimes oh, to feel was, alone? that was that was rough man i make yeah. it sound like it was me on the balcony being all happy and playing guitar like it was rough man i felt alone isolated I didn't have a lot of hope because, yeah, I look at the financial situation. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to do this. I was kind of because I wasn't LDS, like kind of isolated myself in that realm too. And so it was just, it was dark. It, it, it was, it was tough. Um, but slowly I was just realizing what do I care about? Where's my energy to go? What do I do when I'm alone? Well, how do I think? How do I feel? And I started gravitating towards that, those things and eventually I came out better. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been really interesting to, to hear what you have to say. And I hope that our listeners are, are going to be able to learn a little bit from you. Even with somebody who doesn't struggle with mental illness, well, it's still... Yeah, th- this might help reach an audience because I, I don't... I'm not saying I represent the community who doesn't have mental illness, but like that's it's, it's probably good to start discussions and have people who aren't dealing directly with it to, to maybe just explore and see what others are going through. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. And join me next Sunday for a new episode.